raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. The Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline from The Athletic. Zach Kiefer joins us. It's one of those eventful days that we've been accustomed to having around here that doesn't involve actual winning on the football field. However, I will start here. Um, is this more of a situation where you do this with Shaquille Leonard today because this is what we're about now, the accountability. Is it like that, or is it just convenient and or inconvenient timing? Might there be a conspiracy theory to make sure you take a little bit away steam-wise from what's going to happen on Real Sports tonight? Where do you fall with this decision on this day, on this afternoon? Hello. <laughs> do I have to do that all over again? John, you got me. You I got you. Great, man. Can you got you got me now? Yeah. Did I sound? Did you get my question? Because I don't know if I can do it again. It was off the top of my head. I don't think I can no. muster that up one more time. I don't want you to do it again. It was so well phrased. It Brother. was perfect. Uh, let's just leave it there. Go you ahead. Hear me? Yes, I got you. Go. Okay. Yeah, I'm not buying any notion that this was because he spoke up about his playing time the last couple of weeks. This. You don't make a move based on that. He's just not the same player right now. They see it. You see it. Everybody out there watching sees it. You saw the game in Germany. I mean, this guy's not getting snaps in favor of Stegun Alubi, whoever the heck that is, right? I mean, this is a guy you're playing $20 million a year roughly over the next five years. I mean, that he's not a $20 million linebacker anymore. And, and they signed him to be that guy that changed games, that guy that he was, 2018 to 21. Um I think it. I think it speaks to where they're at. At first, it was like, did he go to them and, and and request this? But my colleague James Boyd reported that no, he did not go to them and request his release. My understanding is that Shaquille Leonard kind of expected this at the end of the season. He wasn't naive to the fact that this was probably his last year here because of everything that's been going on. But this is a surprise. The timing of it surprised. The outcome is not stunning. This was going to be his last season in the Indy, the way things were going with the scheme and his production and the fact that they're just flat out not playing him on third down. But the fact that it happens today is surprising to me. And this is a guy that's got his picture on the building for a reason. Zach Kiefer with us. All right. I've had a lot of people come at me with this, and I even thought about it too. I'd sent out a tweet or an ex or whatever about 12 30 or so today about this is going to be a hell of a news day beginning at three um and it is and we've only seen bits and pieces in quotes regarding that jim ursay feature with andrea kramer on hbo's real sports tonight um one one reference and really quote in particular regarding his arrest years ago is is going to be one that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows i conspiracy theory wise you buy into that whatsoever at the time and we're going to do it so why don't we do it today and this is what a lot of people are asking me you're involved in this and cover this too do you think that has any role whatsoever in the timing no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I've seen the entire Ursay piece on HBO Real Sports. And you can pick apart a couple of his comments. Obviously, the comment that he made that they were targeting me because I'm a white billionaire is not going to come off well. It doesn't come off well in the piece. And Andrea Kramer, to her credit, she pushes back on that. She says, Jim, do you know how that's going to sound? And he says, I don't care. There's a lot more to this piece. Peyton Manning has a voice in it. And Ursay details a lot of things that 
some of us had heard, some of us knew, some of us didn't know about his life. And, and I've talked to him about this over the years, about getting clean and staying clean and the troubles. And I think what he's trying to do with the story that probably gets lost in all of this is, is show how hard it is to climb back from addiction and stay clean. Again, what the Internet does is grab quotes and it splashes them on headlines and it runs with it. And that's what gets the attention. To be clear, it's not a good statement that he made about being the white billionaire. That's not going to fly well, and that's not going to be. There's no way you can put anything in context and have that come off well whatsoever. No, I mean, that's 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 a stick of dynamite. It is. But John, you you know Jim Irsay. Yeah. This fan base knows Jim Irsay. They know that he can't stop talking. Even Peyton in the story in the piece says like he he he's the king of run-on sentences. There's no periods. This is just classic Jim, just talking and talking and talking. And at one point he says, I don't care how this comes off. Now, that's not the best thing to say after you've said <laughs> the thing about being a white billionaire. But there is a little bit more nuance and context to the story than just these flashy quotes that are going to get headlines and clicks and et cetera. I would encourage people to watch the entire 15-minute story tonight before I, you decide what to make of it. Yeah, and we certainly will. I'm curious because you have had the sneak preview here. When you watch that, did what he said in reference to his arrest make any more sense? I mean, what, or, <laughs> I mean, no, is there anything no. that's going to make it sound better? Because it, it no. my, my argument has been so far is that it just takes away a lot of what is truly special and what you really need to know and what you want to hear about it. So much of that is taken away because the concentration, and believe me, when this hits national, it's going to be even more so than us talking about it around here right now because people nationally aren't going to go, ah, well, you know what, that's just Jim Irsay. They're going to go, well, look at Jim Irsay. He is entitled. That's what it sounds like. That's what it reeks of. And there's, is there nothing that makes it come off a little bit lighter than obviously the way that we took it when we read it? No, you're, you're totally right to make that argument. I'm totally on your side in terms of these little snippets are going to take the majority of the attention and the eyeballs and the talking points, right? That's going to be pulled, and it's going to be splashed all over the Internet, and that's going to be the story about what Andrew Kramer did. There's a lot more to the 15-minute story. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more interesting stuff in there. Um, not really with regards to his 20 20- 14 arrest. I think he says in there, and I'm paraphrasing, I would encourage everyone to watch it so you can hear Jim Mercer's own words. He mixes two different pills and he just had hip surgery and he says he couldn't walk normal otherwise. Still, why are you driving under the influence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. And then he says the thing about I was being, you know, kind of targeted for being a white billionaire. And she says, do you know how that sounds? And he says, I don't care how that sounds. That's the truth. Everyone should watch it to get to this. There's a lot more to the story than that. As you know, as everybody knows yeah. in this town, he is one of one. He can't hold back when he says things. I mean, a year ago we were talking about Michael Jordan, CIA, and going to Mars in a press conference where they just hired an ESPN analyst to coach the team. Like, that was a real thing that happened a year ago. And, and here we are. They're in a much better spot, I think, for the future. But he's he's one of one. There is no other owner in the league quite like Jim Merce, and this piece speaks to that. Um, he also in this, at least from what I read in this quote, you know, he references you know average dudes, um, you know, not the the white 
millionaire, but average dues would get to walk away from this. Um, you, you go back and you read what went around that particular arrest and what you say, 2014, you, you, you look at that and you go to jail. I go to jail. We all go to jail under those circumstances. All of us. Yeah. And average dudes don't have $40,000 in cash and a, a <laughs> you know, a medical cabinet worth of pills yeah. in the car. I mean, the evidence is there. He says, he pled guilty to the misdemeanor to, to make it go away. And yeah. maybe he did. And I, you know what? And not, I, I agree with that. And that's in the wrong there. I'm and, not and, bending on that. Yeah, you know what, too? And, and Zach, that's what drives you so crazy. Because it had gone away until he yeah. brought it up again. And that yes. that is that is what is going to absolutely malfunction the message here. And that's what's sad about it. Because it had gone away until you bring it back up. And I I, it just I, drives I just you nuts. I just don't know if he can help himself. And and that's one of his more endearing qualities and that he he's out there. He is what he is. There's no question about who he is if you're a Colts fan. Because, I mean, he lives it on Twitter. He used to, at least. But he can't help himself. And he, there's things he says about football that get him in trouble. And, and, and sometimes you love it. When he goes after Daniel Snyder a year ago and says, I don't care we need to get this guy out. Like, that's a great thing to say because Daniel Snyder was bad for football. That's a great time for an owner with no reservations to speak out for the league. But again, like you said, him saying a couple things that are eye-popping are going to get the attention for a story where there's a lot more context that goes into it. But again, this man simply cannot help himself. And there's a little bit of bobber, say, in that piece. And I've written a lot about that and I've written, you know, I've had long, long conversations with Jim about his father, and, and I think he says in the piece, I learned how to do it because of him, and I learned how not to do it because of him. There's a little bit of Bob Ursay in him, that vigilante yeah. rebel who just doesn't follow the norms when he's talking to a reporter and just says what he thinks. In my position, I've long enjoyed that, but again, I understand the pitfall, pitfalls of it because he, he gets himself in trouble sometimes when he simply doesn't need to. So Zach Key for the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So any team out there, including you know Matt Eberflus and the Bears, anybody going to have any interest this late in the season? What do they have to pay? Like $6.1 million would be the cost to bring in Shaquille Leonard. I, I, listen, and I understand the Colts are going to save a lot of money, and it was going to be done at the end of the season. But any idea as to why? Are there any financial implications as to why you would do it right now? Or might this be a sign that you know this is a, a, a dawning of somewhat of a new era here where if you don't perform up to your standard, then you know we'll let you go before Thanksgiving before you hand out turkeys um, on a Tuesday in November in central Indiana. Where where are we with that and the timing of that? I'm buying a little bit of the latter. And maybe that's, you know, player speak, coach speak. That's what organizations preach, right? Right. Like, if you don't get it done, you don't get it done. But I remember Frank Reich saying this, and a lot of coaches subscribe to this. You treat every player fairly, but you don't treat every player the same. And, And Shakira Leonard simply wasn't playing up to his contract. You can watch the games. I mean, I would watch early season games and be like, 44 is so much better of a linebacker on this team. And he's making a third or fourth or whatever the salary. Dyer Franklin being, you know, what, third in the league in tackles right now. But the second part of it is maybe they're doing him a favor and allowing him a chance to, to latch on to a contender. But the reality is I'm getting a lot of text messages this afternoon from friends who cover teams around the league saying, like, 
hey, like, you know, my team's going to be in the playoffs. I'm thinking of writing that they should maybe sign Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard. And I'm like, he's not – like, he's, he's a name right now. Yeah. He's not the player. He's not Darius Leonard. He's not Shaq Leonard that we grew accustomed to. And, you know, the money – no one's going to pick him up off waivers at this salary. Like, that. that's just bad business. Um, now, they could do it under a different situation if he clears waivers tomorrow. But, I mean – if he's not even playing, I, I'm just not buying the scheme excuse right now. I mean, sure, the scheme is, is less featured toward him, but I just like the open field tackles. Like, that is a stuff he made his name on. I still remember his second game in 2018. We're in Washington. The guy erupts for 19 tackles, and we're like, who is this kid? He's going to be a star. I remember going up to Chris Ballard in the press box after the game saying, you found yourself a star. And he kind of nodded. He knew all along. But, you know, those days are long gone. And, and I just can't see, like, if he's not getting on the field above Saguna Luby and Indianapolis for a mediocre to above average Colts team, like, how is he going to get on the field for a contender? Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't know if he's going to be the same player after that back surgery. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the way that it looks. And I agree with you as far as, you know, name recognition. You're going to have a lot of teams that go, hey, look at the position we're in right now, and all we got to do is add a guy like Shaquille yeah. Leonard. And they're thinking, you know, the year before last, and you're getting this version, you know, through the, the whole back situation and nerve endings and all that, and it has not been the same. Yeah, I mean, what contender out there is looking yeah. for a linebacker that – yeah. Is, is struggling to make open field tackles. You know, like that's not scheme-based, and, and that's what he was so, so freaking good at for so long. But um, it's just sad. I mean, I remember going through the injury in terms of, like, covering it for those 18 months. And, and you know, anytime there's multiple back surgeries, and the first of which you don't even understand in terms of, like, is it going down to his calf? Is it going down to his knee? Is it his ankle? Like, that's scary stuff. And, and – what separated him were those instincts in that burst, right? That's what led to all those takeaways. And if you don't have that burst, then you're just not the same player. That's what separates this league, the great players from the good players. And that's what separated Darius Leonard. He was such a special talent, but he just hasn't had that burst since he came back from the injury. It's uh, Zach for The Athletic, with us. And I know this is going to be more of a conversation by the end of the season. And we thought we were watching, obviously, I talked about this for a month or so, the, the final games of Shaquille Leonard. In fact, that was accurate. I think we're watching the final games as defensive coordinator for Gus Bradley. Where do you think the Colts are with his guidance and leadership as D.C.? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think it's as sure of a thing. They've been up and down for sure. And remember, like, they gutted the secondary this year and they started a bunch of kids, right? And that's not all on the D.C. That's on the GM as well. And it didn't help when one of them got suspended for gambling. Um, I think there's a little bit of leeway in terms of that. Their best playmaker, at least in the past, isn't the same player. They released him today. They've seen some sizable steps forward. The Grover Stewart injury hurts. I think it's worth letting them evaluate over the final six games. But going back to the hire of Shane Steichen last fall, last uh, winter, excuse me, it was my understanding that basically the Colts wanted whoever took over as head coach to keep Gus Bradley on staff. That was basically the assumption I got. Even the defensive guys, the interview, there was basically kind of like a nudge, like, hey, we kind of want to keep Gus. We'll see how that stands. I don't know if he was Shane Steichen's first choice. Shane's been nothing but complimentary of Gus since he took over. But, again, if you're the head coach, you should be able to pick your coordinator. Remember, 
when Frank Reich took over, he didn't really get to pick his coordinator on defense either. Matt Eberflus was here. That worked out pretty well. But again, I think if you're the head coach, you're at least afforded the to pick both coordinators. I, I do. I will say this. I, I think it gives, in the court of public opinion, that wants the level of accountability, um, that gives the fan base a great deal of stock to read into with Shane Steichen. However, you go, for example, you Deion Jackson, I think Daryl Baker Jr., uh, this is like going baby steps and then all of a sudden going big. And I know, listen, you've watched Shaquille Leonard play and it, it's not happening. So if now's the time, now's the time. But that is a tremendous step in accountability that a lot of people around here have been wanting and looking for for a long time. Yeah, and if you're going to be about it, then be about it, right? If you're going to talk about it, then be about it and live it. And, and it sends a message, right? Ballard always says, like, guys know what other guys make, right? They all know who you pay in the offseason. And guys know, like, they love Shaq Leonard in that locker room, no doubt, but they also know, a $20 million a year player is is not playing like a $20 million a year player. I don't think any of them wanted Shaq Leonard gone. He is, in a lot of ways, was the heartbeat of that defense in a way that they haven't had since the days of Robert Mathis. But I think this team is playing with, I think they're playing with house money right now. I think they've overachieved this season. They lost Richardson. They liked what they saw. Minshew's won them some games. They're in the playoff race, which is crazy. I never thought I'd be saying that. But I think... I think you're right. I think they can be about accountability right now, knowing things are probably headed in the right direction long-term with Steichen and Richardson and you love Downs and a couple other pieces. Um, But I think this is where you kind of show, like, look, we're going to be about the guys who are about production on the field. And it's just sad because it feels like, in a lot of ways, the end of an era. It felt like Leonard defined the post-Andrew Luck era with this team with all the different quarterbacks they turned to, 53 was the game changer on defense. And they, and they just lost that the last couple of years because of these surgeries. Um, and they're looking for a new face. It's probably the quarterback. But um, you're right. It, it is sort of sending a message that says we're, just, we're not going to just be stuck with a really big contract we signed for a different player that isn't there anymore, and to be honest. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's a good thing, I guess, for Chris Ballard. He didn't get swept up into this new era of accountability. <laughs> he's still he's still going, man. Still going. I don't I don't know where Jim Irsay's at right now in terms of Chris Ballard's future. Oh but, yeah, hey, solid is he going to be here for another three years at he, least, right? Come on. He finally swung on a quarterback, hit on the yeah. quarterback. There's been some nice draft picks. You're gonna have but you again, have the rookie season, the sequel next year too. Which I mean, now uh, that reboot you got, yeah, at least another three here, don't you? Yeah, that's going to be tough because it, it just feels like his entire rookie season was a wash. It when, was. Yeah. One of the whole points of playing him early was to get him literally just reps. Like, it doesn't matter how it goes. You just want to get him reps. And he didn't get that many. And that's brutal. And you're playing with Gardner Minshew. And, I, I, yeah, this team, man, I, it's going to put gray hair in my head. Hey, who do you think is next on the uh, accountability meter? Who should we be looking at? Because now, conveniently enough, Shaquille Leonard is gone who do we look at now as hey you start performing or it's your ass who's that <laughs> gosh that's a good question i don't know because the easy answer before yeah. three hours ago was right. just 53 it was just like there was just one guy always i don't yeah. know what they do with grover stewart i think he's he's still under contract this year but i think he's a free agent next year and hey you know six game suspension doesn't help now he's a great player and they love him but they love darius leonard and he was a great player as well we'll see but i think 
I think they're thinking long-term to the future, right? I think they're thinking about guys who are going to be here for five or six years with the idea of being Richardson's going to be the centerpiece. That'll be fascinating. That'll be fascinating because, you know, Buckner makes a lot of money, but he's playing great. And there's a couple others as well. But it's definitely it's definitely starting to flip in terms of being a new era and Steichen getting the guys he wants. Is this a fair question for you here? Who's worse in handing out extensions, the Colts or IU? Hmm. Gosh, I'm, I got to I got to go with my alma mater, man. I mean, they gave Tom <laughs> Allen the world, and it's like what I don't know how many Big Ten wins since that magical COVID season. Yeah, have, like you, have you looked up the Colts? Three? Have you looked up the Colts and when they've handed out extensions, how much has gone wrong compared to has gone right? Am I? Uh, I mean, has a lot more gone right than I'm giving it credit for here with extensions I in mean, mind? Yes and no, like. Man, I don't even cover the team anymore. I'm trying to get I away know, from I know, I apologize. So I and, shouldn't have put you, you know in that what? situation. You can make the case. I mean, they gave Leonard the bag, and, and he hasn't been the same player. Ryan Kelly probably hasn't been the same Kelly. Naheem. Naheem Hines, Quentin. I mean, they paid all these guys a year early, preventing them from getting to free agency, and the results speak for themselves. And I think that's what they're slowly getting out of. I mean, what are they paying in dead money right now between two players? Shaq Leonard and Matt Ryan. Like, they're still paying Matt Ryan, and he works for CBS right now. I mean, that's, that's not a bad question, and that's fair. I mean, you, you pay these guys those second contracts, that lucrative second contract, and if you don't get the results of guys in their prime, I mean, then you got to play a bunch of rookies and, and you know, first contract guys, and you're just not going to have the same talent level. I'll give you a couple of bottles of Elijah Craig or Larson E. Bourbon, if you look that up. Because, listen, I'll own it if I'm wrong about it. It just seems like more times than not, when they extend somebody, it goes extensively wrong as opposed to being right. It just seems that way. Zaire Franklin is the exception. They, they, they're they paying him hardly what he's worth right now. Like, he is he's playing like one of the best in the league, and, and they got him for pennies on the dollar in terms of what he's worth. So that would be a counter argument. But, again, that's one name, and I just gave you five on the other side. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's enough bourbon in the world for me to look that up. <laughs> no, I know. I mean? And it's not your gig now, and I feel bad about putting you in that, that situation, honestly. I will say this, though. Uh, should we be concerned about Michael Pittman Jr. then? Man, don't have you. Where, where's the game going? Because he should be, I would guess, next, right? Yeah, I mean, on paper. But, like, does Steichen think he's a one? Does Ballas yeah. think he's a one? I'm not sure they do. I'm just not sure, and the, the wide receiver market is funny these days because we had that explosion a couple of years ago with just crazy, you know, eighteen, twenty million dollar contracts a year. And, and Pittman's not—he's not in that Devonte Adams class. Does he want that? Does he think he's going to get that on the market? Like that's going to be fascinating because I don't see them giving him a huge, huge top of the market deal because he's not an A plus player. But again, like you said, the accountability—we'll see. He's been a good soldier through all this. He's played with. God, I don't know, 75 different quarterbacks. I mean, that should be taken into account. But, you know, if you're going to pay that top-level money, you better expect that top-level production. And, again, they, like you just mentioned, they haven't gotten that from a number of guys after they got their second contract. Now, a lot of times it's injury-based, but a lot of times it's not. You better bet and you better hit on those bets when you make those big contracts because, you know, that's those are the guys that win you playoff games and Super Bowls. Well, who in the world's making uh, those decisions? Darn it. Huh. Yep. Weird. Yep. Yep. Hey, by the way, Eddie Garrison sent me this and a shout-out to the uh, Quarian Company producer, 
Uh, Matt Ryan and Shaq Leonard, the Colts, $37.97 million in salary cap charges for 23. $27.97 million of that was paid out as 2023 salary. That ranks second for top two players in dead cap charges. The Giants first with $41.6 million and first in cash. The Giants second with $21.9 million. So good luck to you if you understood a word of what I just said in that paragraph. Congratulations. You know what I understood? Shout out to their agents who are doing a hell of a job getting these guys paid when they're not even you know, playing, in Matt Ryan's case, or playing at the level they were in Shaq Leonard's place. And the other way is, you know, look, this is not foreign to teams. I mean, Carson Wentz came over here, and the Eagles paid like $27 million, $35 million in dead cap for a guy that wasn't even on their team. But they have the best personnel GM in the league and he found a gem in Jalen Hurts, and they have a stacked roster around him. Yeah. And they went to a Super Bowl last year, and they just beat the Chiefs last night. So what did that Bayard dude do last night? That Bayard got into the action last night. He was requ- he was acquired, what, three yeah. weeks ago? Yeah. What did they get him for, like five bucks? A song. You know, a bag of peanuts? I mean, that was a heck of an interception. So, yeah. look, there are ways around it. The dead cap doesn't debilitate you for an entire season. But it's just, again, it goes to your point. Like, where is their money going, and are they investing it the right way when these guys are up for their big deals? Hey, Matt Ryan, man, you got to give him credit. He's calling games on CVS and still making almost $30 million from the Colts. <laughs> yeah, it's just savvy right there. Hey, before I let you go, really quick, when people like me watch the Jim Irsay interview on HBO's Real Sports Tonight, where you come away more since you've seen it, with understanding what it is actually about the situation of addiction and recovery or more about that particular quote regarding his arrest in 2014? Yeah, I think it's the former. I think you'll come away with a little bit bigger picture of him. Now, he's very unique. That's the biggest takeaway. Don't let the quote spoil the entire piece because there's a lot more to it than that. Buddy, I appreciate you jumping on here and uh, having me lob questions at you that you don't even cover the team anymore that I know that you're not uh, prepared to answer, but I do it anyway because that's what a jackass host does, man. Why do you even come on with me? Seriously, why? Hey, because I love catching up with you. <laughs> and when I saw Shaq Leonard was on, I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I covered his, I covered most of his career. Yeah, I covered right. the best days of his career. So, um, hey, anytime you want to lob questions at me, I'll do my best to just <laughs> – completely freelance and give you an answer. I love it, man. I appreciate you. Good talking with you. Have a good one. See you, man. It's, uh, Zach Kiefer. Have a great Thanksgiving. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Bob Kravitz at BobKravitz.com. I like the new digs right here. BobKravitz.com. Well done. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier than that old Substack uh <laughs> domain name plus it's a good twitter workaround so uh, it is i've got elon musk fooled well done right there with bobkravitz.com all right i'm going to start with shaquille leonard before we get into ursay on hbo coming up later on tonight um how much out of left field was this for you today and what do you make of the timing is this just a new era of accountability that clearly Chris Ballard was never swept up in 
and probably glad he's not swept up in. Is this a new era with Shane Steichen in mind here, or there's something else at work? Well, I mean, uh, I guess Shaq just talked with uh, a couple of reporters who were uh, out at his turkey, turkey giveaway, and he said that they uh, informed him that uh, he would be inactive for the rest of the season. And at that point, it was decided, let's go ahead and cut him. Was it out of left field? Absolutely. I thought, I thought it would happen at the end of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, I think everybody knew it was going to happen at the end of the season. I mean, the production just wasn't uh, up to the standard of the, uh, the, the paycheck. Uh, but for it to happen now, yeah, it was m- most certainly out of left field. To Bob Kravitz at BobKravitz.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, is this, though, is this part of a new era of accountability of which we have not seen? Uh, and obviously, you go back to Deion Jackson, Daryl Baker Jr. Uh, those are some of the obvious ones so far yeah. this year. Certainly not as yeah. not as mammoth as today's decision, but is this the new era that we're into right now with Shane Steichen? Yeah, uh, it, it, you know, you, the one thing about Bill Belichick is he never let sentimentality get in the way. And I thought over the years, whether it was Adam Vinatieri uh, or whomever, that they've stuck with people that they didn't need to stick with. Um, they, they rarely took a hard line. And, yeah, I do think this is, uh, you know, I, I think in large part this is Shane Steichen's uh, no messing around influence uh, on this on this franchise. Absolutely. All right. Uh, is there any financial? Okay? Well, is there any financial situations that play into doing it today of all days, or no, just might, really. might, might mean, as well just go ahead and bounce when you're ready to bounce? In this case, right? Yeah. There's there's no financial uh, advantage that I'm aware of for the Colts. I mean. There, you know, he, he's not going to get claimed, um, you know, on waivers. So, yeah, they're going to they're going to have to pay pay out a, a nice lump sum of money. Um, they're on the hook for a lot of money from Shaq and from Matt Ryan. Yeah. And, and uh, how much that is, I'd have to I'd have to look it up. But it's 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 a lot. Um, you know, whether that will limit their abilities to make moves in the future, that I don't know. But uh, yeah, there's no there's no fiscal advantage to doing it now. I I just think they didn't want him in there uh, bitching about his his situation, which he's done the last two Thursdays uh, prior to the bye week. And um, you know, I, I think it it would have been a bad it would have been a bad atmosphere to have Shaq there, and he's not going to play and. I just think it would have gotten toxic really fast. So you think it would have been more toxic doing it the way they did it or uh, doing it to a player who is so throughout that locker room seems to be very well liked throughout. He's very well liked, but players know who's playing well and who isn't. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, I think about two, two games in Shaq's career. I think about his second game ever in Washington. I don't know if you recall – it was the second game ever, and he had 21 tackles, a forced fumble, and I, I believe a sack. And it was one of the most dominating defensive performances I've seen from a linebacker ever. And then I think about the, the way he whiffed on Zeke Elliott, who doesn't have a lot of wiggle or elusiveness, 
and he left uh, Shaq, you know, he, he, he deep Shaq out of his cleats. And so, you know, it's a, it's a hard game, man. I, I, I really do feel for the guy. I mean, I'm not going to pass the hat. I mean, he's got generational wealth and good for him. But, you know, one, one day you're uh, on a trajectory to the Hall of Fame for all pros in four years. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Defensive Rookie of the Year and all of that. And the next thing, you don't know if you're going to play, where you're going to play, how you're going to earn a living uh, in football. So it's, it's, it's a cruel game. So Bob Kravitz with us at bobkravitz.com where you can find all of his work. We'll probably double back with a question or two regarding Shaquille Leonard before we end our conversation. Uh, have you seen as of yet any, if not the entirety, of the Jim Irsay interview with Andrea Kramer on Real Sports with HBO that's going to air this evening? Yes, I watched it this morning. Uh, the HBO people were nice enough to uh, share a copy with me. It's It's really good. I hope people don't get all bent out of shape about some of the quotes. I mean, some of the stuff, the stuff about the Carmel uh, police uh, pulling him over are flat out stupid and ridiculous. But if you watch the whole thing, I think it's like 15 minutes or so. It's really good and really gets into the details of, uh, you know, how his life kind of, uh, how, how things spiraled out of control. And, you know, I mean, it's not, all the details, but you get a sense. I mean, you know, when he OD'd, you know, 50, at least 15 rehab stints, uh, it, it's a pretty remarkable piece, and I give Andrea a lot of credit for getting it done. Do you – Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you probably haven't talked to anybody. I'm just kind of curious. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, and no doubt, because he's Jim Irsay. Well, but do you think those higher-ups that will occasionally – be able to get in his ear um, in in conferring on such things. Do you think that that was something widely that they were cool with him doing, or would rather at this juncture him not do? Well, um, that I don't know. But uh, I, two things. I mean, first, Jim does what Jim wants to do. Right. He says what he wants to say. That's pretty clear. Um, there have been times where they've tried to. Um, uh, guide him away from certain media uh, opportunities. But, you know, he seems to be in a pretty good place. He seems to have his head together. Um, so I, I don't know. I can tell you this. If I'm his lawyer, I am not happy with what he said about the police department in Carmel. Um, I, you know, if he, he really does not want to relitigate this. He's opening a real Pandora's box here, and I think that's that's a mistake. Again, that's not the the sum total of the interview. That's just a clip. But um, yeah, I thought that he handled he handled the whole thing great until he got to that point. Because look, he was on a lot of different drugs that night, and he was behind the wheel of a car. And if you've seen the police video, and I have, he could barely stand up. And I know he had hip surgery, but he was clearly altered, and he should not have been behind the wheel of a car. So here's the question. How overshadowed do you believe this interview is going to be with that? Because keep in mind, you've seen it. Zach has seen it. I've seen bits and pieces. We'll all watch it together later on tonight. And then, you know, the NFL Nation and the uh, social media universe will respond. How much of the true message will people get over 
what he said and and how people are going to view him as just being incredibly entitled in his words regarding his arrest. Yeah, I, I do think that he undermined some of the message. And, and there's a really good message here. He talks about kicking the stigma, and I think what him and Kalen, his daughter, have done, uh, this might be the most important thing that they've done for the city of Indianapolis, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, charity and all that sort of thing. Very generous people. But I, I am afraid that once people – get wind of what he said about the about the, the arrest and I don't care about what people think, yada, yada, yada. Again, you have to watch it in context, but I, I do think that that will um, undermine the good message that he's trying to get out uh, with this appearance. Yeah, the, the quote here, I'm prejudiced against because I'm Ooh. a rich white billionaire. Um, yeah, it's... It, I, I, Bob, I Bob that's going to go so badly. I, I, I can't even. We, I don't know. <laughs> unless, unless this Shaquille Leonard thing completely overshadows it locally. Uh, but when national folks get a hold of this, um, I wonder. Oh yeah. Oh, I wrote in my column that it, it was ridiculously stupid. Um, look, I mean, Carmel is. I wrote my column. It's 109 percent white. I mean, it, it just is. You know, it's and it's obvious. There's obviously a lot of people of means who live here. Uh, I would rather take my chances driving around as a rich white billionaire uh, than as a black person. I um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, I, I've heard of driving while black. I've never heard of driving while making billions. I said this that given the circumstances of the arrest and what all played into it, you and me and producer James and Jim Irsay, we're all going to jail. All of us for that. (laughs) For the video, for all of us are going. There's nobody that's going to be left out of a visit to the Hooskow after that situation. I guess what really baffles me, first of all, I know it's Jim Irsay, and you know how I feel. I like Jim Irsay so much. I really do, and I know you do as well. But that was so far in the rear view, you just go, why? When you're trying to do something Why? that's so good and, you know, you, you look up to it and talking about, you know, getting past addiction and, you know, becoming sober, you know, obviously he wants to be, you know, a recognizable voice as an owner of the NFL, one of those front and center. And then you bring this up again is beyond me why you would want to do it. Well, he, he's he said all these things when we talked back in 2014. Uh he uh, he would not uh, go on the record with a lot of stuff, but he he was he was concerned about the arrest. Again, if I'm Jim Boyles, who was his lawyer at the time and may still be, I don't know, um, I would be a little bit upset. And it just sounds like he's still in a little bit of denial about the circumstances surrounding that arrest. And you know, at, at that point, when you when you've been mixing up a cocktail of, of hardcore drugs and you're behind the wheel of a car it seems to me you don't have a leg to stand on and quite frankly he couldn't stand that night so i don't know what his issue is um but yes i'm sure pro football talk 
and all the rest. <laughs> Mike, Mike Florio, be, that's a softball, oh, a softball for Florio. They're going to eviscerate this man. And uh, I'm like you. I like him a lot. I think he's full of crap sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, you, 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 you do all those drugs and you're driving. I mean, what in the hell did you expect? Yeah. Uh, If I'm just the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Of course not. Um, Yeah, they are. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they they are. are. They are. Yeah, they are. I I, thank God. Thank God. And there, but for the grace of God, go I. I've never been, never been arrested. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so, uh, but I can promise you if I was in that, in that, that incapacitated and behind the wheel, um, if I got pulled over, I would be uh, calling a lawyer very quickly. Again, this is HBO Real Sports and Andrea Kramer's interview with Jim Mersey. It's uh, premiering coming up later on tonight. Kramer also asked, or also stated, I should say, do you know what it's going to sound like if people hear you say that they're prejudiced against a rich white guy, and he goes on and says, I don't care what it sounds like. It's the truth, he says. You know, Andrea, I could give a damn what people think, how anything sounds or sounds like the truth is the truth. And he does care about what people say and how he does care. He does. He does does care. And And he should. He's going to get eviscerated for this, and um, and deservedly so. Uh, You know, I, I... I, you know, for the most part, I talked about the uh, the uh, the show tonight, but I got that was the one thing that stuck out. Uh, I've never heard anybody complain about being put upon because they're a rich white billionaire. Why do I keep saying rich billionaire? If you are a billionaire, <laughs> you are freaking rich. You're just so, you're in the category of redundancy here in the five o'clock hour on Tuesday. Superfluous redundancy. <laughs> Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I just, you just, I can't imagine that those close to him over there are excited about this oh, tonight. I, oh, I, I mean, there. Look, I, I'm sure that they were cool with him doing this thing, but I'm sure when they heard that, um, I don't know if any phone calls were made, but uh, I, I'm sure um, there was some puckering. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, it's like, oh, Jim, don't say that. Because it is a good message, and, you know, and, and he just undermines the whole damn thing with that stupidity. And, boy, sometimes it, it's like with Carissa Thompson. Yes. Just, just shut up. Yes. Yes. And you get uh, – listen, we all have to be, Bob, a little bit guarded of that. Right. I mean, I go out to bars and I'm sitting there for three hours and you're having a good time. And you're, you know, what, what you think sounds reasonable and or funny or maybe even poetic at the time. You go, oh, God, did I really say that? I mean, you've got to be yeah. so careful, especially if you're him. And, and again, that, that whole story was put away. It was put to bed. And, and Bob, I will say this. I maintain he he enjoys being a top voice among these NFL owners and I mean, who knows how many tentacles something like this may have. You just don't want to mess yeah. with it. Well, he's lucky he didn't get fined for sharing that information that the uh, the league um, uh, the league yeah. told him that they screwed up with the officials in the Browns game. Right. I am shocked that he has not been fined. Uh, I, I think that 
That, that shows you who pays uh, Roger Goodell's salary. <laughs> but Jim, remember, Jim is the longest, I believe is the longest tenured owner yeah. uh, in the league right now. And, and he, he sees himself as one of the old guard. You know, he's one of the last, uh, you know, families to own a football team. And he's, he, he sees himself as the voice of the league. That's why he came after Jonathan Taylor the way he did. That's why he went after Dan Snyder the way he did. I think he's been feeling his oats here in the last couple of years, and that's not always a good thing. I'm glad he's feeling good. Right. And I think he's in as good a condition now as I can ever remember him being in. Um, but, gosh, you know, uh, yeah, you, you, you got you to you watch what you say, and I, I'm – I'm glad he's taking a more active role uh, among owners, but he's just got to be careful. And uh, obviously there's going to be uh, parts of which that are going to be so meaningful that will get uh, covered up by by that particular quote. Bob Kravitz joins us at bobkravitz.com. You did put up the column you had going back to 2014. Yeah. O- over that arrest, I- I've always been curious – what did you think at that point in time was the future of Jim Mersey here when all that was going down? Again, since he brought it up, I think it's to me interesting 10 years later to ask that question. What do you think here, being around it as much as you were so close to it, what did you think he and that whole situation was going? Well, I, I didn't know if he would be able to recover. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I don't know that you can draw a line of demarcation between the 2014 arrest and him being sober now i you know i don't know if he was fully sober from that day forward i I have absolutely no idea i would guess not i just think this is a day-to-day proposition everything that i know about uh, recovery which is not a hell of a lot but it's it's a daily proposition and um at the time I thought we might be we might be in this boat again. I'll be honest with you. He sounded good. He looked good that day, but just knowing, having known people uh, who've dealt with with recovery, I know how hard it is. So I never, I didn't walk out of there thinking, okay, he's in the free and clear now, because I know the reality of addiction. Yeah, I like I don't know that. However, I know me and me going up against something like that it would be uh, an unfair fight because i'd get my ass whipped seriously i just i mean i just know me i know i know how much i would probably go okay you know i'm not gonna be able to do this i'd so i've never stepped oh, into that particular realm when your, life, when your life is on the line buddy uh, you'll yeah you'll fight you'll big, fight, big baby i'd be a big old baby there's no doubt about that so <laughs> all right uh, what are you writing about regarding just these two major stories of this afternoon on a tuesday yeah, in november I, I just got these two things uh, i just wrote a, a blog on the maniac uh give him great credit for going showing up at his uh, turkey giveaway um and uh i'm not sure what i'm doing the rest of the week it is it is thanksgiving so i'll probably take thanksgiving off oh yeah uh, hey, by the way how did that credential thing go of a couple of weeks ago last time we talked with the pacers oh oh that was fine no, 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 nothing came of it yeah. well done right there hey by the way you're going to write a story about this pacers defense anytime soon this is awesome good defense, pacers defense. yes I, I was at the game the other night and they gave up uh 41 in the first quarter to orlando 
that was a butt whipping. I mean, the, the, the third team came in and, and made it a 12 point game, but that was a 40 pointer. Uh, I mean, that was, that was ugly. I, look tonight, tonight, if they can win tonight, they get into this uh, in season tournament. And that, that's a, that's, that's a good first step for them. Here's something else to look for. By the way, too, it's never good when the Wagner brothers beat the hell out of you, as they did yeah, in Orlando yeah, on Sunday. Uh, uh, have you ever thought about, and I don't know if you've done this or not, I was just thinking about it, and clearly I haven't done it, um, the extensions that have been handed out over the years, recent history by the Colts, and how many have worked out compared to how many have gone bust? Ooh, oh, boy. Well, they better hope Jonathan Taylor works out. Um because that's a lot of money. Yeah, uh, you know, Quentin, Quentin's been okay. Um, I don't know. That's, that, that sounds like a good column idea. Thanks. There you go. You're welcome. For BobKravis.com. I am I am associate. An associate of BobKravis.com. Yes, I'm sorry. I was talking over you. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Well, I'll... Um, I'll jump into the bunker later on tonight via social media when this thing airs. Right, we'll see what good, happens. Buddy. All right, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having it's, me. It's uh, Bob Kravitz of BobKravitz.com of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Not since the incredible mustache of one Thomas Magnum back in the 1980s has there been more of a sought-after beach bod than the voice of the Boilermakers getting set for the Maui Invitational semifinal round. A uh, friend of this show, Rob Blackman, I, I can only sit here downtown on the circle and be jealous of how the ladies, how everybody, in fact, uh, Waikiki is responding to your tone bod. Tone and shirtless like Thomas Magnum on the beach, man. Wow. The, uh, the fact that the dad bod is now in style is playing to my favor. Let me tell you that, man, because I have, I have the dad bot. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting actually, John, yes. you may not believe me, but I have not been to the beach yet. Oh, there's <laughs> no way. No I know way. It's embarrassing. I got here late Sunday night. Uh, and so I was hoping to get over there yesterday, but yesterday was rainy and cloudy all day. What? So yeah, it's, it's, I was actually in, getting a kick out of watching the ESPN telecast from my hotel room. You know, those, those beauty shots they have coming out of the commercial breaks and stuff keep showing the sun and the beach and everyone's out there and the surfing and all that. There was none of that yesterday. They, they must have taken those shots like over the weekend. Because that was not a live shot yesterday. Yesterday was raining all day. and it, I mean, the temperature was fine, but rainy and cloudy. So that was uh, that was not a true indication of, of Honolulu yesterday. But today, much nicer. And you hopefully, know, yeah. after this game, I can get down to the beach today, hopefully. I'm shocked that the, the head coach, you know, the, the recognizable – head coach, understanding head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers has yet to throw you guys a luau. When the hell's that coming? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, maybe if we can go three and zero in this thing, uh, we might get one of those. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think he's been a little too obsessed with trying to figure out how to beat uh, Tennessee to, to worry about that stuff yet. Hey, um, Rob Blackman joins us, voice of the Boilers, Tennessee, Purdue. That's seven v two tonight, eight o'clock. Uh, certainly, he's got you on the Boilermaker Radio Network and uh, semifinal of the Maui Invitational. I was curious what you thought. So the Boilers come out of the gate yesterday, the first six against Gonzaga, and then Gonzaga the next 14. At that moment, what were you thinking about the direction of that game compared to how it ended? Yeah, so it was interesting. I had a lot of fans when I got back to the hotel were stopping me and asking me a similar question. And to be honest, John, I never really felt – uh, I never felt that badly, simply because Purdue was doing what they wanted offensively, getting the ball inside to Zach. It's just he was missing some shots he normally makes. So you just kind of felt like, I think it. I think at halftime he was 3 of 10, maybe 3 of 9 shooting, something like that. You just felt like there's no way he's going to keep shooting this poorly. Uh, Purdue was getting exactly what they want offensively. And then he did start making those shots in the second half. So, I, even though down five at halftime, I felt like Purdue was in a great spot considering all the things that had happened to them up at that point. Plus, Purdue was also getting Gonzaga in the major foul trouble um, in that first half as well. And it's not a necessarily a very deep team, as you well know. I know you follow those guys closely. So right. I thought those two things were playing into Purdue's favor. Um, and what you saw in the second half was Purdue just decided to, to really uh, get more aggressive offensively and get out in transition. That was one thing they talked about at halftime. We found out after the fact that was a real emphasis at halftime is, um, look, if we're going to struggle to score the ball in the half court, let's get out and let's try to push the ball in transition. We actually have some guys now on this roster that can do that. Uh, So if you're going to go out and recruit those kind of athletes to try to make the team more athletic, how about maybe we try to actually take advantage of that fact, Uh, which is something Purdue could not have done last year. So it was kind of neat to see Purdue really push the tempo in the second half, got them some easy run-out baskets, especially for Lance Jones and and it kind of just turned the table a little bit. So, yeah, never never really felt badly. Even when Purdue got down 14-6, to six, it just kind of felt like a, I felt like the whole time Purdue was the better team. Uh, it was just a matter of uh, getting maybe Zach Eady to make a few of those shots normally he, he would make. It's a Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilermakers. Again, semifinal Maui Invitational coming up at 8 o'clock. That is number 7, Tennessee, number 2, Purdue. Rob's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I forgot to ask Matt this last week before you guys left for Hawaii, but how often has he told you that he wants to see this team push? What, what What's the uh, parameters of pushing the basketball with this group offensively for him? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know if you know there's a tangible percentage that's yeah. been put on it other than he does want to see it. Uh, a whole lot more often than we've seen in the last handful of years. Again, this is also dictated on your personnel. Do you have the guys that can actually do it? And when you add guys like Miles Colvin and and Camden Heidi and, and Lance Jones to your rotation, well, yes, you do finally have some guys that can do it. Um, so that's really that has been a big point of emphasis. And look, that's going to be a huge point of emphasis tonight. If and, and Matt Painter, for those that are listening to the radio network, you'll hear him talk about this on our pregame interview that I had with him uh, that we taped it a couple hours ago. If Purdue thinks it should uh, just run half court offense against the best half court defense in the country and score points, you're kidding yourself. It's not going to happen. Tennessee is way too good defensively to allow them to just set their defense in the half court and try to score against a set defense all 40 minutes. It is not happening. Purdue is not winning the game if that's what it comes down to. So you're going to see a Purdue team, I think, especially early in this game tonight, really trying to get up tempo, really trying to get some easy points in transition, 
because, quite frankly, that's the only way you're beating those guys. Uh, you, you, like I said, if you think you're just going to run half, even with Zach Eady, even with Braden Smith, all, all the weapons you have, if you think you're just going to run half court offense and beat Tennessee, you are. You're living in a fantasy world. That is not happening. How big has Lance Jones been this early in the season? Because uh, I, I thought that in, in a, a critical juncture in that first half, I mean, he was a guy that helped really get the Boilermakers going, and he continued that play. How important has he been early on to this team? Well, probably can't overstate it enough. Uh, again, the athleticism uh, is something Purdue lacked desperately in the backcourt, and now they have that on the offensive end. But, you know, defensively, also a great defender. What a, what a luxury it was last night uh, to, have, to have him uh, and, and Braden Smith uh, defensively to really kind of wear down uh, Gonzaga's point guard. Um, and then, you, know, you saw some of that from, uh, from Ethan Morton as well. Uh, uh, Nimhart, I'm talking about, obviously. Yes. Uh, award number zero. Yeah. Um, had it just been Braden Smith trying to guard Nimhart all game, Nimhart probably doesn't get worn down. Uh, but Lance Jones was there doing it as well. So was so was Ethan Morton. So that's where Lance also really helps as well as a, another really good on-ball defender that you can switch on the best perimeter player for the other team for a couple of possessions. Uh, but the other thing he really brings, John, is just a sense of, uh, of toughness. And, and quite, uh, I don't know how to phrase it properly without using curse words, so I'll just say a guy that didn't really give to you-know-whats offensively. I mean, he is going to let it fly at any time, anywhere. <laughs> and I know that's probably driving Matt Painter a little bit crazy at times, but I think it's also been a really nice kind of punch in the arm for this offense to be as aggressive uh, as he has been. Sometimes probably overly aggressive. Um, he's a 26% three-point shooter right now at this point in the season. I think that's, that number is, is a bit of a mystery only because he's the all-time, three point leading, uh, all-time leading shooter in three-pointers in, in Southern Illinois history. So a guy can make threes. He hasn't made them necessarily early in the season, but he hasn't been afraid to take them. And I think that kind of contagiousness has kind of rubbed off on the rest of our team offensively. They've been, at least from what I've seen, look, we're only four games in, so I'm not, I'm not going to try to make too many uh, statements yep. that, are, that are strictly hyperbole. But Purdue does seem to be more aggressive from a perimeter standpoint this year than they were last year. I think a big part of that is just the overall vibe that Lance Jones brings to that team. It's uh, Rob Blackman who joins us, the voice of the Boilermakers. And, and I'll make one, two through four games. The way that you just talked about Lance Jones, I wish some of that was in Fletcher Lawyer because when he doesn't knock down shots, sometimes it looks like that affects his overall game on the floor. Yeah, and I think you saw yesterday. He only had yeah. two points in that game. Um, and, I, and I think that's fair. And, and you see that with young players. I think folks forget he's only just a sophomore. Um, but, yeah, they play, and, and Matt, you know, gosh, Matt talks about this all the time. I know you've had him on your show, and he's talked about how when you have guys that play through their offense, um, that's not always a good thing, and that can happen with Fletcher. He'll play through his offense, and if he's not playing well offensively, you're not getting a whole lot out of him uh, the rest of the game in other areas. On the flip side, when Fletcher is playing well offensively, like he was against Xavier there last Monday, uh, boy, to see what, what an added weapon he is. Um, so he's another guy that, that will need to get going tonight, I think, for Purdue to have some success. Uh, but, yes, I, I think you're spot on with that statement, absolutely. All right, Tennessee, what do you see? They got uh, three guys averaging double figures in a 4-0 start, ranked seventh in what should be a very entertaining semifinal. What are you thinking? The irony is, yes, they have the three guys that you're talking about, the best of them being Dalton Connect. But the two guys, as I've kind of looked at looked them over here these last 24 hours or so, 
the two guys that have me really, really concerned uh, are, are Vescovi, yeah. who's first team, he's first team All-SEC last year. He's only averaging six points a game right now. So you know he's more than capable. And he, he affects had, it in other ways, too, I agree, yeah. And, and so if he gets going offensively, which eventually eventually he's going to, you're not you're not a thirteen hundred point career scorer and, and a bad offensive player. He's not. He's just had a bad start this season. So if he gets it going tonight against, I mean, hopefully he gets it going sometime, just not tonight, because that's just another weapon for them. And the other guy I would mention in that in that uh, same uh, same vein is Ziegler, uh, Zakai Ziegler, second team All SEC last year has not played well early in the season. Now, part of that's because of injury. He's averaging three points a game. Okay, you're not all SEC second team last year, and now all of a sudden you're a bad player. That's not the case. Uh, he's gotten off to a bad start. Again, injury's a part of that. But eventually, he's going to round back into form. If you're a Purdue fan, you hope it is not tonight. Because if all of a sudden Ziegler and Vescovi decide to return to the, the same offensive weapons uh, of that caliber that they were last year, this is going to be really, really difficult tonight against these guys. Did you bring the family with you? Uh, no. So, uh, Evan, our son, he's a freshman in college and he's, uh, he couldn't make it out here. What? Uh, unlike, unlike me, he didn't want to skip classes and, <laughs> and go on vacation. He actually, actually goes to the classes. Uh, so yeah, it's just me actually rolling wow. all myself out here. Yeah. Single dude. You are Thomas Magnum out there. <laughs> Damn. Did you grow a mustache for the event? You know, it's embarrassing. I'm 53 years old. I, I cannot grow facial hair very well. <laughs> I hate admitting that publicly, but it's embarrassing. My brother, I said I'd get you out at 42, and we've got 18 seconds to get that done. So there you go. I appreciate you more than you know. Tell Matt and everybody I said hello, and uh, let's uh, have a very enjoyable game to watch. And maybe if you got time, we'll check in with you again tomorrow if uh, you guys are in that championship game, okay? Okay, good, John. Thanks for that. All right, take it easy, Rob. Uh, Rob Blackman of the Boilermaker Radio Network, the play-by-play man. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us, post-game show host, and, well, really, too many to count a variety of other things he does work-wise here around central Indiana. I'm curious, of all days, to cut... Shaquille Leonard, did you whatsoever believe this could be it? No, and, and again, this is not inside information. This is me trying to make two plus two equal four. You have to wonder if if Shaq basically went to them and said, "Listen, if I'm not going to play, you know, or play the, the amount that I would like to play, perhaps it's best that we move on and go in a different direction." I have a hard time imagining the Colts coming off the bye would say. Now's the time for us to cut Shaquille Leonard. I think this, and, and I heard Jake use this word or this phrase, and I thought it was very apropos a couple hours ago, an amicable divorce. I, I think this is simply saying, hey, you value yourself at, at, at level A. We think you're maybe not at that level anymore. And if, if you're not going to be happy here, 
let's make a move. Let's let you go play for somebody else and, and, and wish you nothing but the best. Again, that's an inside information. That is me trying to figure out exactly reading the tea leaves, I guess, so to speak, as to the news of the day. I understand. Would they – let this be known somehow, some way. And you don't necessarily have to have a press release to let it be known. They get a lot of information out during this whole Jonathan Taylor saga uh, just by you know cutting it loose to somebody and then somebody reporting it. But would they let the people around here know that it was his decision, if indeed it was his decision and not theirs? Well, I, right. I mean, and, and that obviously would be through guys that have good ties to organization from an organizational standpoint. My guess that information will probably, you know, be released unofficially in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours. So I get what you're saying that, and, and yeah, I think that information would come to the forefront. Again, I have a hard time believing that even, even if you're not overall happy with his level of play, um, I, I don't think the Colts would make this move at this point in time. I just, I, I just don't think so. I, I think this is – the Colts responding to a player who asked for his release. And again, that is my best educated guess. That's not a concrete fact. I was just kind of thinking if you're going to, and I know his contractual situation is different, although they're only saving, what, $6.1 million, something like that. But, right. you know, given the circumstances, if you're going to cut loose players that, um, you know, have a stat line, you know, similar to or disappointing as Shaquille Leonard, you're going to have a line of those players you're going to get ready to cut on the squad right now, aren't you? Uh, again, that's that's why again, I, I think this is a player requested move, and the Colts are acquiescing to a guy that's been such a big part of the franchise since 2018. I think this is the Colts trying to do right by the player, or simply honor his wishes, not being happy in his situation here. How much is this to you? Is it scheme? Is it where they are with Gus Bradley right now compared to just the the body starting to decline from what it once was with Shaquille Leonard? I think it, I think it's mostly the latter. Um, I, again, and I think that while he is healthier than he was in 2021 and 2022, we have a player who relies on such instinct and athleticism and the ability to be a big play player. If that starts to decrease, if that starts to go away, then you see a dramatic difference in the level of play. Um, and, and again, bluntly, this is a defense that while listed as a, as a 4-3, like most NFL defense, is really a 4-2-5. Not just in terms of counterbalancing what you see if the majority of teams you're going to play, but also because you've got the unique situation, your best quarterback is Kenny Moore, is a slot corner. And so you want to find a scheme, a way to get him on the field, so you play a 4-2-5. I really think this is also an acknowledgement of our best two linebackers from the Colts' perspective, Zaire Franklin and E.J. Speed. And this allows you to get both of those players on the field a bit more. So I think it really comes down to the last statement of those that you said there. It's just, it's kind of weird. I, do you think that even though – he has been quieted a little bit, and that's Shaquille Leonard via social media. Would he have said anything if he were the one that wanted out in this? Would, would he let that be known? Because honestly, Greg, we all have pride, right? We all have right. pride, and the, these guys and their pride and, and competitive pride is stratospheric compared to us. It seems like we've seen that kick in 
in the court of public opinion before with him, it seems like it would be odd if it certainly didn't kick in under these circumstances. I, I guess that's where I'm kind of going with it. I'm thinking, yeah, I think I think he would probably kind of tell us if it were ultimately his decision. But I wonder. So Correct. And again, I would imagine, you know, normally that outlet has been at Colts practice. So whether that is through social media, whether that is through, um, again, his event is <laughs> scheduled for this week. <laughs> Tomorrow, um, by the he, way, tomorrow. Yeah, he, he has not been shy about about speaking with us local media types, and so it may just be a, a situation of uh, having an outlet to speak his mind. It would be my guess. Greg Rakestraw, the post game show host, and then some with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, what are your takeaways from the bits and pieces you have learned? with the other big story today involving the Colts and that Real Sports HBO interview with Andrea Kramer with Jim Ursay tonight? You know, I, I just kind of caught wind of that this morning, and, I, and I've heard some of the discussion and not really seen any of the clips when those were released. I mean, I, I, I tend to kind of shrug my shoulders on it and go, and I, I'm not saying I, I don't care what people are talking about it. I guess my focus is always so much so on the actual team. Like, obviously, I get to have a level of interaction with Jim during the course of the preseason telecast. I mean, that's something that, you know, I get asked about, we highlight, we talk about in the month of August. Um, But from September on, I tend to kind of focus on the head coach and the players on the team and the results on the field. So I appreciate Jim's openness on the subject. Um, I guess I would say I would reserve a significant amount of comment on it until actually getting to hear the full interview, or at least the portion that will go to the HBO show. Yeah. I went to, you know, a couple of the quotes, and, you know, the, the one that's going to stick out and the one that makes me wonder a little bit about all this timing involved is the one regarding his arrest years ago. And I kind of just wonder how that – I wondered when I heard about that last night and that's what was being said, I wondered about it this morning. I kind of to myself thought how I was going to handle that because, again, we're in an odd situation. We have yet to see it in its entirety. However, the discussion is out there right now because we have been privy to the quotes. And I just wonder, even with the context of how this is put together, how those quotes involving that situation years ago with the Carmel Police Department is going to sound any better, regardless of what is fenced in around it. No, it's fair. And I mean, you know, know, things like context are often lost in modern society, right? And giving someone the benefit of the doubt or trying to understand it from their perspective, um, usually... Usually doesn't that that courtesy isn't extended. So again, my thought would be this: I think a lot of this is largely water that's already under the bridge. Um, but but I'll kind of reserve full comment until I, I'm able to kind of hear it for myself and and uh, and and make that judgment for myself. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What do you got coming up this weekend, man? The finals. Correct. So I'll have four and five TV and I'll have six a radio. So I've got the three big classes on Friday and Saturday. Oh man. All of them. And by the (laughs) way, Hey, remind people how they can see it too. Correct. So this is the year everything goes online. So IHSAATV.org, the IHSAA Champions Network, very similar to the semi-state. You pay one price for one game, but frankly, you pay a fraction more and you can see all of the games. And, I know that there's a lot of folks that are upset about the games not being on television. I get that. 
I understand. I wish they were. I, I wish that was the case. Here's the one thing that I will say is, th- is this. Here's the law of unintended consequences. For years, they're going to do this dance round. Hey, the Pacers are playing on Friday night. Or the Pacers are playing on Friday and Saturday night. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, just go to IHSAATV.org and be able to watch the game at your leisure. And I hope that we make the broadcast worthy enough that you feel it was a good investment of your time and resources on Friday and Saturday. Greg, I appreciate that, man. See if you can uh, get along without the JMV takeover for about a month or so, all right? I'm probably going to call your personal cell phone <laughs> and start asking for requests. So uh, just, just because I have this habit of bugging you every Saturday night. You're uh, more than welcome to, man. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too, buddy. It's uh, Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.